Hi everyone, I'm Laura Warnod, and this is the Wonder Workers podcast. Wonder Workers is an interview-based podcast where I invite change makers to talk about their experience, their mission, and drive towards impacting the world, and ultimately to inspire, educate, and empower entrepreneurs, business leaders, and owners, and young people on how they can build together a more sustainable world. This community of wonder workers act behind the scenes to lead the world towards a new era of purpose, self-actualization, and innovation. This is a generation who shows no limits to what they can accomplish, no tolerance for dehumanization, and use their uniqueness as a real power to change the world. We want to invite you, responsible leaders, entrepreneurs, young people, and all other listeners in your quest for purpose to give you too the power to change the world. But having powers alone does not make us superheroes. Even them need allies. It's only when we accept our differences, combine our powers, belong and thrive together that our forces can turn into superpowers. We are Wonder Workers, a community of change makers, entrepreneurs, business owners, and aspiring ones who use their superpowers collectively to change the world. So tell me, what are your superpowers? In today's episode of Wonder Workers, I'm with Jade. And I met Jade at an event for London Fashion Week back in February at the Lone Design Club in London. And it was a whole panel discussion for the launch of the Oh My Days podcast hosted by Annalise Days. And Jade was one of the guests and I found her story really inspiring. She talked really openly about the fashion industry and her beginning as a model, the future of fashion and how sustainability has still a long way to go, but also what sustainability mean to her. And I think it's incredibly inspiring and empowering to meet female founders who are building businesses to challenge the status quo, while also being honest and realistic about the situation with fashion and sustainability. Can we actually stop people from buying clothes? Probably not, but we can find alternative solutions that enables consumers to stay creative with their outfits and find their style, all while creating a more circular fashion and sustainable consumption. I am so excited to be talking to Jade today. But before that, let me tell you more about Jade. Jade is the co-founder and chief community officer of Lone Hood, a fashion rental app that is all about renting personal style over trend-led fashion. She's also a PhD researcher at the University for the Creative Arts, exploring identity within online worlds, achieved through digital fashion and avatars. Formerly a fashion model for 15 years and previously worked at the Fashion Innovation Agency at London College of Fashion, she uses her experiences to help shape a fashion future that is both sustainable and innovative. And well, today we're going to talk about her experience working in the fashion industry. What does it mean for her to be a female founder and entrepreneur? And how did she go to start Lonehood? How does she manage her academic life with being a leader and co-founder? And we're going to be talking about the purpose and vision and mission of Lonehood. What's the culture like out there? But also how she shows up to her business values. And how does she show up as a leader? What's the future of fashion look like? And so we're going to be talking about a lot of different stuff today. And I'm really excited to be talking to Jade. So let's jump in. Hi, Jade. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, we are good. I'm so happy that we're out of, you know, winter and that we start feeling some kind of I don't know. I feel like there's some new life coming up. Have you seen the memes that have been going around about, you know, the blue skies and everyone is just freaking out about a blue sky? No, I haven't seen it. Yeah, because we feel like we've been so deprived from them for so long. And I think everyone's feeling it as well. You know, spring is finally here. (laughs) feel summer. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God, that feels so good. But yeah, no, apart from that, everything is going well good good well thank you so much for being here today and for taking the time i feel like the more i'm doing recording episodes with with guests and stuff the more inspiring the guests are and so um, i'm so glad that 
you're here today. No, I'm really happy to be here. So thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm scared to follow on from Connor's <laughs> footsteps. I know that you just had a podcast with Connor Hill. So yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah though, it was also very inspiring, very passionate. And I think like, even for all guests in general, because we're talking about them and like their, I guess, entrepreneurial journey and their business, at some point you get really passionate about the topic and that's what I yeah. like the most really. So um, no, um, that's that's great. And so, well, as I said, today we're going to be talking about your experience as being a female founder, as you know, you've been working for like in the fashion industry for, for a while now. Yeah. And we'll talk about your business and the mission and what you're trying to do here with Lone Hood. But before we start getting into all those topics, I would really like to know more about your story and who you are. It's always so scary when somebody asks me about my story because <laughs> you always think it's pretty dull. Um, <laughs> but I guess, I mean, going back to the kind of the beginning and how I got into the fashion industry, it was actually a bit of a surprise to me as well. I actually wanted to be a fashion journalist. That was the whole intention. I wanted to move from Middlesbrough, where I was born, and move to London and work for a a magazine such as Vogue and I did a couple of internships at Vogue and Elle and stuff like that so I really wanted to just talk about fashion but actually I kind of sidestepped and I went into modelling so I got a contract with Models One Sorry, I can hear my dog um, <laughs> knocking oh, at the, the room. <laughs> You've probably a little pause. Oh. I'm so, <laughs> so sorry. You'll be here soon. <laughs> but yeah, so I was doing fashion modelling and I did it for 10 years full time. I started in London, but then I also travelled to New York, Paris, at Tokyo, LA. But actually, I have to say and put my hands up, I was kind of fast fashion model. I did a lot of e-commerce sites such as ASOS and Urban Outfitters, Topshop, Primark, Primark, however you want to say it. (laughs) So yeah, I was, that was my kind of bread and butter and how I made a living. So it was very different to what I'm doing now and kind of advocating for sustainability because I was putting my face onto brands and trying to sell more product and um, obviously a lot of product when it comes to a fast fashion model. So yeah, that's how I started really. And um, when I turned, um, I don't really want to divulge my age, but I turned a certain milestone age. <laughs> I went back to, um, I went back to university to do my master's. It was called Fashion Futures. It's at London College of Fashion. And it's an amazing cause and it really places sustainability at the kind of heart of the fashion practice. And you debate a lot. You look at society and politics and try and understand fashion's place um, and future when looking at sustainability, which obviously is super complex. So I did that for a couple of years, which led to my business and also doing a PhD. So Really, yeah, my career went on a totally different path to what I thought. But obviously at the start, I wasn't really aware of how unsustainable the fashion industry was. So it really made me flip and do something totally unexpected. How was your experience working in the fashion industry firsthand as being a model? And as you said, like modeling for unsustainable fashion (laughs) fashion brands. And what was the turning point? Like what made you realize that? actually you wanted to almost go the other side it wasn't like an overnight thing obviously you know it took some time and it was something that a seed was planted and then it kind of grew and grew and grew and I couldn't ignore it anymore Mm. I was having a pretty good time to be fair like I was traveling around I was working for these brands in different Mm. countries and meeting new people and I was you know having a really lovely life in my 20s but as a model you don't necessarily have a voice but you can see and you can listen and what I could see was just the amount of stuff that was being produced and it was quite overwhelming for me to see just how much and how bad the quality is. I mean, from a model, you get to dress in them and it was kind of like, oh my gosh, this looks great on a picture and you can make it look really good. But actually, when you see it in real life, it's just not what you expect. And mm. you're really buying that image. You're not buying the, the mm. piece of material. Yeah. And then when you learn about where that material's come from and how it's made and all that, you know, those mm. things, then it's kind of like, oh gosh, you know. it's Overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit... It it is a bit scary and, you know, I went 
from when I first started modeling to shooting maybe like 20 products a day, like for e-commerce purposes. And that was maybe one or two models. And then, you know, fast forward five years and how big e-commerce boomed and fast fashion came with it. I was doing 40 plus outfits a day and having to go so fast Mm. and not only doing you know the image doing the video and you know and then it was me with another 15 models doing exactly the same thing who's buying this stuff where's it getting worn like you know and then you realize people are wearing it once and then throwing it away or sending it back Mm. you know Mm. so it was starting to really kind of yeah affect me and Mm. I was like how do I and I you know I still loved fashion I still love dressing up and you know fashion it's so integral to your identity and Mm -hmm. I've always used fashion in that way it's kind of like my armor and what makes me feel confident but I was like how can I work in this industry having 10 years experience like modeling where what am I going to do after modeling and work in an industry that I no longer respect because I think I've just seen a bit too much of the dark side yeah Yeah, the behind the scenes yeah Yeah. it's just it's lost its glamour for me Mm. it's lost its you know it's just all a bit too real and I don't know what I'm going to do with this information. And sustainability at that time was it was kind of like been spoken about, and but there was not really anything been done. Mm-hmm. So to stand against it was quite scary. And also mm-hmm. it just meant that I would lose a lot of my income. So it was, yeah, an interesting period, mm-hmm. to be honest. I, didn't, I was a bit lost at one point. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Yeah, I feel like it's so interesting as well, your view on, on that, because, well, I met you at an event um, at the Lone Design Club back in February. And, you know, I found that sometimes when people talk about um, sustainability in fashion, you know, obviously they're super passionate about making a change and then looking towards the future and they have that, that big vision of what needs to change. But there's also the reality of, you know, you can't change everything and like you can't stop people from buying clothes and you know sustainability you can't do yet a hundred percent sustainable fashion and I think that's really interesting that you know you're actually super realistic about that as well but yeah you can't say that and at the end of the day you know whether you're a vegetarian or want to shop sustainably it is a luxury to have that choice if they want to go and buy something new then Primark might be their only option and you know it's just not accessible and you can't tell somebody oh you're you can only shop sustainably or don't shop at all Mm, yeah it's it's I mean it would be a yeah it's quite a sad prospect and I don't think it does anything for people's mental well-being how can you find alternative options and see sustainability as like an opportunity rather than something that kind of takes something away from you we do need to change but we need to provide alternatives and that's what I, I I realized during my master's in particular that we can't go on in the same way but there is other ways in which we can find opportunity and creativity and inspiration to kind of reduce our overconsumption. we don't need mm. to overconsume, but mm. how can we consume responsibly and consciously in a way that makes us feel good but also meets our needs as well yeah definitely I 100% agree with that because I think when the whole sustainability movement in fashion started and even still now, like as consumers, I mean, I personally fell in the trap of feeling guilty about where I would shop. The way I consume, I felt like super guilty about it. And because the whole kind of world of vintage shopping and stuff and even like small sustainable brand that was super rare at the time to find like um, good independent brands where you can shop affordably and stuff so it was almost like okay for me it's either I don't shop at all anymore and I just stop shopping which you know could be an option or uh, you know I just keep doing the same thing I've been doing and so yeah very hard to find the in-between yeah and nobody should live their life like feeling guilty I mean let's face it it's not the next generation who have kind of created this issue Mm. it's us and you know you know we're the ones that kind of wanted fast fashion and Mm. we've got it and now we need to want something else Mm. to make the industry change brands need to change and there needs to be kind of this kind of top down approach to make a really significant change but also 
you as a consumer, as a person, can really make a difference as mm. well with even your small little choices and mm. not going to shop that fast fashion piece and just making that extra effort to go and do look at resale or rental or any of the alternatives, mm. just making that slight shift can be really, really significant in the long run. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's why it's super cool that now we have platforms like Lone Hood or, you know, even like Depop or Vinted or other apps. There's where so many now. Yeah. And I think that's great because that's the thing. We need more and more of them because it's like if you, you know, flashback to before covid and the high street you know you'd walk down say oxford street and you'd have miss selfridge top shop warehouse oasis they're all kind of let's face it a little bit similar mm, but yeah. there's like something for everyone and why can't the next high street be depop vintage yeah. vestiaire rentals loanhood whatever yeah. you know there's there's something for everybody there and we need more and more of it so that actually the shift for consumers is so easy mm. because it's on their doorstep. And the more that we have, the more that the effort will just become less and less and less because it'll just become part of our everyday lives, just like the fast fashion model was. No, definitely. So if we go back to like your journey and, and, and experience, so you were modeling for 10 years and then you went back to academic life. Yeah. Straight away? Not straight away. I kind of like played around with a few different things when you're modeling. The transition from modeling can be quite hard. And I think you could have a whole podcast just on that. It is a bit of a kind of identity change. Mm. I don't know how to quite put it. I wanted to, I don't know, I wanted to find my place outside the modeling industry. I tried going back to journalism that didn't sit well with me because obviously I was like why am I writing about more stuff yeah um all I wanted to do was write about sustainability and you can only do that in a certain you know at the time there was not that many magazines or publications that really focus on sustainability also it's a bit counterintuitive to a magazine that's trying to sell Mm. clothing yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah. they're like oh it's not something that maybe they wanted and I tried production Again, it just didn't sit well. So it wasn't like, you know, uh, I'm going to go back and study. And that was in my mind from the beginning. But I think because sustainability was so new, because I'd been modeling for so long, I probably had like a lack of confidence as well. Mm. And I really wanted to learn more about sustainability because I didn't understand it. it. Just felt like a bit of an abstract term at the time. And I knew, obviously, what it meant in terms of like the environmental um factors and stuff like that and I knew it was detrimental in so many ways in the production of clothing mm. but I I also knew that it was such a big thing and I wanted to find where I could make a difference because mm -hmm. I'm not a designer so it's not like I was making clothes so it, I couldn't even like think about sustainability in that light but I was like I I want understand where I can make a difference and because like you said it's just so big you can't solve it all yeah yeah no so yeah. where can you with your skill sets and your passion and your experiences where can you find your kind of little niche that mm. you can hold on to and then make a difference there so that's why I went back to study really yeah and I think it's so interesting because you said at the beginning I had to like find some confidence again in like you know going into the sustainability field and and so that's why you went back to, to studies but when you've been modeling for like uh, so much time don't you have already like kind of the confidence of being like you know someone that is part of this industry and you know why why didn't you feel confident I think that's just me in general <laughs> Okay. I, I'm not like a super confident person. I think I can talk and I can stand up and talk to people, but, and it comes from somewhere, I don't know, like n the nerves kind of drive me to do it, but I'm not like a naturally kind of confident person. And I don't know, with modeling, it, I think people assume that you have this confidence because you've been a model, but modeling can kind of bash you down a little bit. 
like you said, you don't really have a voice. Mm. Nobody's like bothered about what's in your kind of brain. Yeah. <laughs> Although yeah. it's 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 changing now, and you know, obviously with influencers coming on board, and like people want to have people that represent the brand, not just the way they look, but it might be in their lifestyle or their attitudes and their ethos. So that's definitely changing, and that's really nice to see. But no, I felt like I didn't really have much to offer. Mm. I felt like I just stood in front of a camera for ten years and. Mm. It was really hard for me to look at myself in a different way because you're so isolated as a, as a model because you're doing everything on your own. You're traveling on your own. You're meeting all these people on your own and like all these experiences are very like, it's you, you mm. know? I mean, the one person that did sit me down and tell me that actually my experiences had value in them was actually my supervisor at London College of Fashion who in interview I was like oh I'm not sure I, I'm not a designer or anybody from industry like a, a buyer or anything like that so I'm not really sure what I can bring to this course and he he had to kind of say you've got all your experiences yeah. is is valuable and yeah. seeing it from like maybe a more u- unique perspective because you know like you said like with modeling it's like you can observe and you're mm. constantly with different teams all the time and seeing how diff- their different processes and and different ways they view things and it's um actually it becomes when you think about it in that way you're like oh yeah okay I've seen so many companies and different types of fashion and different types of customer so actually yeah he kind of give give me a lot of confidence well give me back my confidence I think yeah no it's exactly why I wanted to understand more about that it's because I think also from my experience as well I've always been passionate about fashion since a very very young age but I, I always thought that to be able to work in fashion I had to be either a designer or maybe a marketer but I wouldn't if I like I wouldn't have the creative side if I was doing something different in the fashion, like in fashion companies, in fashion brands. And actually you can have like a much, like you can have an impact in the fashion industry by, you know, doing different things that doesn't necessarily imply like the creative stuff that we all know about. But yeah, there's so many more options now that you can do like, you know, building a business is a big one, but you know, with, yeah, as you said, like social media and like influencing and stuff, I think it's, it's, it's great. Yeah, the industry is changing so much and it has changed so much. And obviously there's a place there for the creatives, for sure. I mean, fashion is art and there needs to be more creativity. I think that we've, fashion has almost lost a little bit of its creativity mm. through the fast mm. fashion yeah. <laughs> model. So bring it back bring Mm. back the creatives but like you said there's so many other things and also industries now are blurring into one you know Mm. you've got fashion and technology kind of blurring into one and fashion needs to understand different technologies and how they work and also technology needs to understand the fashion industry and how they work it's like you know so I think it's really interesting space is what's happening. And I do think this has come out from this kind of, you know, the ecological crisis and the fact that we need to change. So people are like Mm. looking for different ways to be creative and innovative and working together. So you don't need to be on the inside to make a change. I feel like even if you're on the outside of the fashion industry looking in, that also has very significant value of like making a difference. My dog is getting involved in the podcast <laughs> you'd be quiet do you have something to say <laughs> about the fashion L- ludo has a lot to say <laughs> <laughs> no definitely and i think that's great because yeah as i said like i've always felt like i was a creative person but i didn't have the skills to be like a designer or anything yeah. um and so i think it's great first that you met like the right person to give you that confidence back as well to be like okay i have this experience and now i can use it to actually make an impact that is aligned with my values and what I want to do now, etc. But also that, you know, it opens a lot of different doors to everyone now. And I yeah. think just just doing it, whatever you want to do, just give it a go, mm. you know? Like, mm. I, like I said, wasn't very confident. And in Middlesbrough, I was like, oh, gosh, like, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, how am I even going to get to London? Like, mm. I don't know. I don't know, you... 
I, through my teens, I was a bit of a, I don't know, emo, negative. I don't know how <laughs> you want to put it. We've uh, all been through phases. Do you know what? Yeah, <laughs> that phase. And then, um, you know, even when the modelling came along, I think part of me wanted to just say no, no, no. Mm. Like, that is so silly. Who am I to put myself out there in that way? Yeah. Uh, you know, you don't feel good enough to do it. Mm. Or people will laugh at me because they think that oh gosh jade's doing modeling like ha 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 how funny that is that like all mm. these things that go in your head yeah, yeah yeah and from that moment when i said yes and things suddenly started going well really changed things for me so that's when i look at anybody who is you know wants to change direction or you know they're working in the fashion industry but they want to be more sustainable they want to do something like different do it just mm. do it try and find like do a podcast write something you know yeah. just try because you actually never know and i think right now is a really perfect time to do it because people are wanting you mm. they're wanting new ways of doing something so if you are out there and trying something actually i think people will look up and be more kind of inspired by you in that way than yeah. than ever before so yeah I think it's really it's really exciting time for people to come in and kind of show us what you got <laughs> yeah yeah definitely no that's that's a great message for for listeners but going back to your academic life so then you went to do your master and then that's when you kind of started to have the idea of lone hood and now I mean I know you've just finished but you were or maybe not actually but you are actually working like you founded Lone Hood and while doing that you were also doing your PhD I'm doing my PhD you're still in your yeah. PhD right yeah how do you how do you manage how do I manage but I yeah I don't sleep <laughs> okay no, I I have a very supportive team who have been very supportive of me and allow for flexibility I don't know how I've got myself into this position to be honest but I'm very thirsty to learn more and my master's for me was just kind of the beginning mm. I felt like you know you go back to do your master's for 15 months it's not like you know everything mm. like it's just the beginning of your journey and actually the master's made me quest have more questions at the end I think which isn't a bad thing but yeah Lonehood came out of that so there's me and I've got two other female co-founders so Jen and Lucy who are both from the fashion industry as well Lucy was actually my model booker at the start oh, of wow. my modeling career and Jen is a graphic designer and she worked for the youth group the outnet mm. and but worked in the fashion industry so we kind of came together and we were trying to figure out you know how we were going to make Lonehood work obviously mm. it's a Small, small startup we're not really sure we need to like make money as well to live and stuff like that so it was a bit of an organic slower process rental was new it wasn't I, there was only rent the runway in the US at the time so yeah there was a like lots of a kind of like discovery meetings and debating and like figuring things out so the PhD kind of came alongside because you know I was still on that kind of academic journey I still wanted to learn more Lonehood wasn't my full-time job as well so mm. but they kind of like work alongside each other my PhD is about innovation and sustainability within the fashion industry and then also we were like building Lonehood which at the time was super innovative because mm. nobody was really doing rental Ooh, <laughs> you're on the final year final line of getting yeah, there getting there yeah how did you meet your your co-founders and how did you Like how the idea of Lonehood started. How then. did it start? So Lonehood started really, like I'd said throughout my master's, kind of understanding that the way that we consume wasn't going to change overnight. And as we've already said, telling people that they either shop sustainably or shop sustainable brands, which is super expensive, or don't shop at all, seemed like too really a kind of archaic way of yeah it's like that's not really a choice is mm. it like yeah. it's not mm. so it's it was you know through my master I was trying to find like alternative ways in which we could fix the fashion system but also allow people to get their fashion fix throughout modeling people were already like renting stylists were already renting for shoots celebrities mm. were already renting for like red carpet moments even though nobody would really know that like mm. but they're they're renting them 
borrowing them from PR companies. It's like they're not really buying them. Influencers are getting sent stuff. But it felt like the consumer was getting the short straw because they're the ones that actually have been sold this dream and narrative, but they're the ones that are actually putting the hands in the pockets and actually going out and buying it. So it's like, I was like, surely we can be renting from each other and renting our own clothes that we've bought and cherished and might not get enough wear, you know? So why can't we empower the consumer that way and... Ha- open up this kind of peer-to-peer model which is what loanhood is so yeah I had I had this idea obviously I was like yes this is amazing it's the (laughs) way forward rent the runway we're already doing in the US but they were kind of more inventory based and I went to Lucy first first of all and I told her the right idea after she was a model agent she she actually opened up her restaurant in Covent Garden and she just sold that so she was she's very business minded which to be honest I don't really have a business head um it's very different and I knew Lucy did obviously she was my booker so I know she could manage stuff because she managed me so she kudos (laughs) to her so (laughs) I went to her and she was like yeah I'm in you know let's let's have a let's start it and then we wanted to kind of bring the brand to life we felt like because it was such a new concept rental we were like we need to make something that is cool and people want to be a part of which has kind of led us to down this path of like really community building like getting people on the journey with us because the only way we're going to kind of shift consumer mindsets and do things a little differently is if we kind of build up this community and bring people along with us so we wanted to build a brand that was like inspiring exciting to be involved in and um obviously fashion is about is a lot to do with visual aesthetic and how it looks so we went to Jen who was one of my friends and said can you bring the brand to life and she did all our like branding and we were like oh my god this is amazing we love it and we were like do you want to come on and help us because obviously you know social media branding Mm. all these things are really important and Mm. we needed that person we needed that visual eye so yeah so Jen came on so there's like the three of us that are the kind of core and then we we work with others like freelancers and etc like to you know help us outside of that obviously the tech to build the app because mm, we're you know yeah, so so relying on like you know a lot of other skill sets but also our own and then suddenly a business is born you know yeah. wow <laughs> yeah that's amazing i think the more i've been talking to people the more i realize that you know most I don't like to say successful because success means something different to different people, but like the one that are the most established or like fulfilled in a way are the ones where there are multiple co-founders and multiple people who were involved since like the beginning. And yeah, I think it's it's so important to to know that as well, because sometimes I mean, and I'm, I'm going through that right now, like you're like, oh, I want to. Um, have my own business I have this idea I want to run that by myself you know you have that kind of thing where you're like almost protective of your baby and you're Mm. like "Mm, I want to do this by myself I can do it but then I think the the more you get into it the more you're like actually I need help and I need people who are different than me and have a different mindset and different skills as well to kind of complement my skills and my experience too so I found that really uh, interesting. I, I totally relate to that I mm. think the hardest thing you can do is is admit that you need help mm. and then the scariest thing you can do is go out and looking looking and mm. asking mm. you know if you're a person that is not used to asking for anything mm. it's really hard to go out and do it but then you also need to realize that if people want to do something they'll do it if they don't that's fine but if they understand your journey and they relate to it and they appreciate it and they then then you find like more people will be there to to help you than you expected and especially within the kind of you know sustainability collaboration is absolutely key because you need to learn from others in order to do something different and break molds and break habits. Mm. And you need to be open enough to do that as well. So it's a two-sided thing, well, multiple-sided thing. So absolutely no one can do it on their own. Mm. And, you know, your baby will always be your baby, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Loneliness is, is, you know, it feels like a part of me and it's a part of 
Lucy, it's part of Jen. It feels like it's part of all of us, but it's it's a collective like yeah. It's a goal, and yeah, and you like you're right. It makes it so much more richer when you bring people along with you. And yeah, and I think it'd be good to understand a little bit more now about the Lone Hood platform and its mission and what you're trying to do here and what's your vision for this app and for Lone Hood. I mean, ultimately, what we want to do at Lone Hood, no matter which way we do it, we want to keep clothes in circulation. Right. We want to stop people going and buying you and we want to use the stuff that we already have. Whether that's in your wardrobe, whether it's in somebody else's wardrobe, that is essentially our main mission. And we have the app, which is specifically rental. It's a bit like a Depop meets Airbnb for clothes. Mm. In You can mm. put your own clothes on there. You can rent them out, make some money off your own clothes, or you could rent somebody else's. So I could rent something from you, mm-hmm. or you could rent something from me. A lot of the people actually that use our apps are generally like emerging designers and independent brands because mm. they use rental as like another source of revenue, but also they don't mass produce stuff. Yeah. So they have these small collections, but rental allows them to be worn by more people. Mm-hmm. So the the app has kind of like evolved in that way to be this kind of platform. We, we get a lot of stylists and musicians that want something like different to wear or for their editorials that they're planning, they start using that. So it's really like interesting because there's so many like creative collections mm-hmm. on there. It's so nice to see because it's like full of color and different designs and different types of clothing and techniques. And we have a designer called Anna Dewhurst who she knits things with loom bands. Do you know oh, wow. they're like, you remember the loom bands? Yeah. 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 She makes like whole like dresses and wow. tops um, and they could be pulled apart and put it together into another outfit. Wow. So. Yeah, so yeah, it's it, it's also an app for like emerging designers. They're testing have, stuff out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, they're like, you know, we've got we've got knitters, we've got embroiders, we've got vintage. There's so many and it's like we get so excited when like a new designer comes on the platform and we're like, Oh my god, have you seen this one? Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. And yeah, so we've we've got that side, but then also we do a lot of swap shops, which is for us it's it's making sustainability more accessible your clothing is your currency Mm. you know you can come in you bring the items that you don't wear and you swap Mm. them for new items with other people and it's this really community feel like you we're doing one in um hackney coming up um we have so many plans throughout the summer and they're super busy we get like 100 200 people coming Wow. swapping their wardrobe and you can swap like up to like about I think we did like 800 items in four hours wow we swapped and that's like yeah. 800 items we've saved from from yeah. somebody either you know putting them in the bin or just mm, sat in their yeah, wardrobes so it's like you know there's so many good ways and it's like a day out sometimes like yeah. you know one I, I mean for us we we get excited by it because we think oh you can rent something totally unique and one of a kind and nobody's going to wear it and it's really creative or you can get something that's you know you couldn't normally afford to buy mm. you know mm-hmm. or you can swap and be part of this event and people come and they bring their families and they get like a coffee and then they've mm. all their friends come and it's like becomes this more social aspect I can't remember shopping being like that for such a long time. Yeah, And it is technically shopping if you think about it in that way. Yeah. It's just, you're just not shopping anything with a tag on that's... Yeah, it's a different way of shopping basically. Exactly. Yeah. As we said, like there's so much more like options now to go shopping basically, you know, like whether it's yeah swapping, renting, doing vintage or... Yeah, yeah resell, yeah. Re- resell and stuff. I think, yeah, I think that's that's amazing because... You know, even for me, like, as I said, I've, you know, always loved fashion. And then at some point you get rid of stuff, but I've never threw away stuff. My only thing was going to charity. And I know that now it's not necessarily the best thing to do because, well, for so many reasons. But um, I find it's amazing that now we do have all these options to, well, swap clothes or like get rid of stuff that you don't want, but in a more circular and sustainable way. You'd have to talk to somebody which might be really interesting, like, you know, to talk to somebody who works at a charity, because there is this kind of confusion over whether if you drop something off at a charity is actually helping or not. Mm. I think it is helping because obviously mm. charities need those clothes to sell, to make money, to support the the people that they're mm. there for. But I don't think charities should be seen as a dumping ground. Yeah. I think that's the issue. And it's like even now with swap shops, like 
don't bring something that you wouldn't give to a friend. Yeah. Don't bring something that's like so tatty that is just falling apart and you just, you know, you want to no get one rid- would, would No one would. It. Yeah. If, if that's the case, find somewhere that recycles fabrics mm. and can put it to good use, mm. you know? Yeah. Don't just use it as a bin. Yeah. Charity. You know, yeah. I mean, it's not like that. Yeah. So good that we now, like, as I said, have options like Lanhu to expand our options in terms of fashion. So I guess, like, your business values are all about sustainability, accessibility, community, being affordable as well. And so I would be really interested to know how, as, you know, a leader of your business and like managing your team and stuff how do you show up to those values yourself and yeah how would you describe <laughs> you as a leader because I know we talked about you know the fact that maybe you're not so you don't have like necessarily a business mind as some of your other co-founders maybe you're more creative and more you you have more of the fashion side of things so I'd be interesting to know like yeah how do you manage that I think it's something that we are constantly trying to figure out ourselves I think as a small business you wear a lot of hats and then you realize Mm. (laughs) that some hats that you're wearing you're just they're just not your hat Mm. if that makes sense Mm. it's just not your place and then you start to realize like okay I need help here yeah either from your teammates who you work with or you need to outsource it um but obviously that takes time because when it's your business you need to give everything a go it's interesting when you're doing a sustainable business and trying to kind of express your values and what you stand for when sometimes you realize that you're not doing it for yourself in your life is sometimes a little bit unsustainable you know like you're just doing way too much and Mm. sometimes I think you have to be aware of that and then set boundaries and say you're one person you can only do so much letting people down like it's something I hate doing Mm. but sometimes just saying like being honest saying you know what I can't actually do that or I don't know how to do that or I just you know can we revisit this another time when I have more time to focus and give you my energy making that call is really important it's a really good skill to get yeah setting boundaries right yeah setting boundaries totally but then also being open and flexible and understanding of other people and empathetic like obviously me bringing a dog to a podcast when she's barking at the door (laughs) and jumping up and down it's like you know you could only do so much and like people it's really nice when you meet people that are like understanding as well and like I think you have to kind of show that as well but I think just as a team we we try and allow space for our the good parts of us bad parts or whatever Mm -hmm. there's no bad parts but you know the things that we struggle with okay how can we help you what can we do like can we speak to somebody we have lots of them like amazing advisors who helped us Connor Hill is one of them you know he um you know obviously I have a education in sustainability but Connor comes from it from a very different side of it so you know you kind of bounce off each other in that way and it's really nice to have those people that can make you look at things in a very different way um, and from a different perspective. Setting boundaries is one. Giving yourself time to like think, recuperate, don't be too reactionary about things because I think when it's your business, I think you become really stressed and if something happens that is like unexpected or bad or something and you can react to it, like actually taking time to sit back and reflect and then approach it with much more assertiveness and like kind of confidence of like okay this is the best way to approach this Mm. that is stuff that you know you constantly have to kind of remind yourself and learn learn in that in that moment and at the end of the day nothing is the end of the world and sometimes it is just fashion it's like it's supposed to be fun Yeah. yeah and it's supposed to make you feel good and if it's not yeah 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 no definitely yeah Yeah. fashion is not saving lives Uh, yeah yeah we're not working for the nhs Mm. you know like respect to those people like my family who do it like i copped out and you know yeah it's it's yeah it's it's way way different but definitely it's good that you're having that kind of realization and, and mindset as well because i think as we said like when we build a business we're so personally involved to it that you can sometimes end up taking things personally or like being very defensive about stuff and also i think when you're a small business or a startup you're 
I mean, one of your priorities is really to grow fast and get funding and stuff. So yeah, it can be very difficult. Um, I mean, I guess to manage that plus like also the people side and how you want to be as a leader. But everyone's different. Everyone yeah. has different nuances, quirks, attitudes, views. I think modeling kind of helped me a little bit on that side. Like not been too bothered about what people think of mm. me. Although you know bothered about what people the views people have and if they have something like you know an interesting view that might make you see things differently but you know with modeling people always like had an opinion about you Mm. and it it felt really personal at the beginning but like you know they would book you for a job and then next time they wouldn't book you because they didn't like you Mm. maybe that you know yeah yeah, and you don't really know why. And you don't like, know why. Yeah. You know, like, you think, oh, gosh, it's me. Yeah. Like, it's because, you know, I look this way. Yeah. <laughs> then you realise, like, well, I can't really change me. Mm. This is this is it. I can't change the way I look. Yeah. I don't really want to. I don't really want to change, like, my personality. Mm. Although I'm sure there's aspects of myself that could be improved in the same way of, like, a business. You probably got more control over that because... You know, you you can't please everyone, Mm. but sometimes you can actually make a change that's good, you know what I mean, if you work on it and think, but it's like also just appreciating that actually, you know, loanhood might not be for everybody and that's fine. But if people have different views of how to improve or something, that that's good as well, because then you can kind of work on that. How would you describe then the, the, the culture at Lonehood working there? I mean, because, I mean, you said you don't necessarily have like uh, yet of like physical offices where yeah. um, you work all together, you work remotely and it's been working very well for you until now. And so with everything you said, you know, how do you kind of keep that together? We have a lot of meetings. no we we do have a lot of online meetings we always catch up in the morning every morning we always have to sit down and you know try not to make it too business all the time like you know it's good to like understand what people are doing actually in their their social lives and Mm. personal lives sometimes but yeah we we speak a lot we have a lot of channels we use for different things which can actually be overwhelming but we need to keep in contact with a lot of people all the time. But then when we come together, it's always a bit of a party. We do a lot of like in real life events because they're really important to us alongside like the app and like anything like, you know, social or some anything like that. Because especially when it comes to rental, like people want to see the clothes, they want to try them on, but also they want to meet the designers and the brands mm. and the people behind them. It's really good of building trust yeah not only in the people that they're renting from but in loanhood as a brand as well mm, and like yeah you know kind of show that actually this is a really welcoming positive community that is all about sharing wardrobes and clothes um and connections and that's what we try to do at these events we we want to bring music we want to bring people we want people just have a really good time trying on clothes creating content asking us all the questions that they need to feeling like you know they can ask us questions as well about uh, about the process of like renting or anything or sustainability and people actually who do come along are super passionate about it as well and they want to talk and they want to find like-minded people in that space so yeah we try and make them as like fun as possible less networking more just like having a good time yeah and i think the power of community is becoming much much more important uh, now as well especially like after covid and everything i think we're all trying to find new ways of coming together so it's so important yeah and it's you know it's really good for us as well like to see it's really nice for us to see when like two designers come onto our platform and they are like you know starting their own businesses and they're doing it on their own they're they're creating their like designing creating doing their socials trying to understand the business side of it and they're doing it all on their own and then when they come onto a platform like Lonehood where there is a community and they can meet them at events, then actually they can talk to them and go, oh, you know, have you... And I, I, we know that they talk to each other as well yeah, outside the app and they're like, oh, should I be renting to this stylist or mm. how much should I be charging for this or, yeah, you know. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, it, it's really nice when we know that we're kind of expanding mm. beyond what we're creating and hopefully creating a supportive community where everybody's 
helping each other. I think that's a good transition to talk about what's next for Lonehood. How do you see the future of the platform, um, the future of rental? And what, what makes you hopeful as well about... Yeah. I mean, I can't... I really want to talk to you about some of the stuff that we've got coming up this summer, but I can't because it's like... <laughs> yeah, I mean... I'm like under NDA. Like, I can't actually yeah. say anything. But um, <laughs> there's some really, really good things coming for the community. And I think, you know, we just want to keep growing on that and kind of create this, I don't know, like make it so big and so fun that people want to be involved and just take over and then everyone is just swapping and sharing mm. clothes. I don't think it's ever going to stop people buying new. Mm -hmm. I think people will still go out there and buy a new item now and again. But now and again, that's yeah. that's fine. And, like, and then really think about it and like you know go out to those independents or their made to orders or those sustainable brands mm. because actually you can get your other stuff through different means mm. like rental and resale and swapping and stuff like that so hopefully that piece that you do buy has just that extra special value mm. that you don't want to just throw it away yeah and you know that's what we hope to do just slowing things down mm. being more considered with the purchases that you do make and then you know, finding a community, whether it be Lonehood or anything else or upcycling communities or anything that you're passionate about and bringing that kind of creative spark back into the fashion industry, that's what we hope will happen. I'm really excited to see how and what the fashion industry will look like because of that, like mm. what, what will start coming out, how will people start dressing? I really hope that people start expressing themselves in different ways in different ways and mm. we said before like what would it look like in the chicken shop at 3am in the morning <laughs> if everybody was like had like slow fashion or rental outfits mm. would it be just absolutely bonkers and everybody just going wild and expressing their alter egos rather mm. than seeing the same zara dress yeah. on everybody yeah. i mean there's so many um you know other opportunities for fashion as well like even as you said with technology and like mm. you know I, I wanted to talk about the, the metaverse as well but <laughs> like I oh know you've God, been into be it another, yeah. there'll be a whole another one yeah. my PhD. I was at metaverse fashion week last week and I say I was at metaverse fashion week my you know I sat at home in my living room with my <laughs> avatar walking around fashion week but yeah again that's another scary but exciting thing about um the way that the fashion industry is changing yeah we could do a whole podcast on yeah. what that looks like yeah. yeah maybe another episode yeah <laughs> we'll see but um no that's amazing what kind of tips could you give young people who are like either really passionate about fashion and uh you know would like to get into the entrepreneurial adventure but probably a bit too scared to take the plunge or like jump into it or you know even someone who wants to be a change maker in sustainability uh, but they don't know where to start to be honest i think the next generation know more than i do <laughs> i actually do because they're so much more savvy with social media as a channel i'm quite scared of it generally but they're just so more natural with it mm. i think is the thing we kind of spoke about this earlier and I think just saying yes to everything is obviously the best way forward. And I think I think not setting your expectations of yourself too high. I think it's really good to have a goal and where you want to be. But I think it's really good to test and try things, even if it might not be where you see your head and just try it. You don't know who you're going to meet. You don't know which direction it's going to take. Just get involved. And I see it actually ha happening all the time. The panels that I do, the students that I meet, they're so active and they're always out there and they're always, they seem to be really thirsty for knowledge and meeting new people. And I think that is what needs to be done. It makes a huge difference. Um, and I think not looking at other people and saying, oh, well, you know, they're doing that, so I can't actually take it as inspiration that you can as well you know you can do it because you are different you're always going to be different to that person because you're you so don't feel like you know hindered by other people around you that you think are doing things better like yeah it, that's just an illusion mm -hmm. and what we tell ourselves because we're like human beings and you know we're worst critics but just carrying on doing it because honestly you, you don't know where it's going to take you and if I'm so glad that I said yes 
tested different things and tried out and the things that I've found the hardest the most challenging not mentally like not just like academically but like challenging my own confidence and my own mm. kind of idea of about what I feel like I can do those are the times that I've actually feel like I've succeeded the most I think those kind of nerves or anything that you feel a little bit funny about I would actually force you to do it more because wow. actually yeah. why are you feeling so scared about it is it because what, what are you mm. so scared about try it because actually it make you realize that you know you can probably do anything mm. so interesting it's so inspiring what you just said because I think sometimes when you like I mean I've been talking to a lot of people and I feel like they always have the same things to say like in terms of you know yeah when you give advice to people on I know it's it's very personal but I think what you just said about just saying yes, for example. I mean, some people could say, oh, don't don't say yes to everything. You need to be very strategic about it, blah, blah, blah. When actually, like, I've always thought the same. I was like, yeah, but if I don't try things out, like, how am I going to know if, you know, I like it or not like it or if it's like the right direction or not the right direction depends what time of your life you're in yeah of you course know, yeah. if you're like of course you can be strategic when you're like vice mm. president of yeah you know yeah and and you you know you know yourself like inside and out and you've got the but when you're trying things out mm. and thinking then you're in a different place and you need to find out what's right for you and i think that journey goes on for longer than you think it's like you know Yes, be strategic when you get to that wherever you're heading to and then be strategic then. And then that's kind of like, I don't know, the joy of getting to where yeah. you want to be that yeah. you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on that journey, I would definitely say try everything you can. Don't burn yourself out, you mm. know? Yeah, of course. Don't yeah, burn yeah. yourself yeah. out. Like, yeah. you know, I'm saying say yes to the things that probably make you more nervous and scared. Mm. I think mm. those are the things that you need to do because mm. honestly once you do it you'll mm. feel like on top of the world and life is all about like kind of like experience and stuff mm. I think and you don't want a life that's just like safe yeah and linear and yeah yeah like go for it yeah yeah no, definitely challenging yourself is what makes you grow exactly yeah exactly well so I have my two signature questions for every guest that I have at the end of the podcast. So the first one is, after everything that we talked about today, and you know the name of the podcast is called Wonder Walkers, what would you say is your superpower? Oof! <laughs> <laughs> what would be my superpower? Oh gosh, that's such a hard question. I wish I'd thought about this. Um, <laughs> but that's what's interesting as well is, you know, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? I think my superpower might be to make people feel at ease like well mm -hmm. I hope comfortable yeah, yeah. I think because I'm such an anxious person mm. I don't want anybody to feel like that mm. <laughs> I'm saying this like it's true but I hope that's what I I would hope my superpower would be just to make people feel welcomed at ease can ask me anything mm. I'll give them a an honest answer I can definitely feel that <laughs> I, I hope so yeah um, I do yeah and just been you know just been genuine mm. yeah I hope so yeah, yeah. you do 100% <laughs> I mean I see what you mean because I'm I'm a very anxious person as well so you know well we're not going to talk about anxiety now because that could be another <laughs> episode that's another podcast that's another <laughs> podcast but yeah when you're an anxious person it can be very easy to ask yourself a lot of questions or tell yourself a lot of stuff and kind of feeling uncomfortable when you're with people and stuff so I see what you mean and I definitely felt like super like myself and like relaxed while oh, talking good. to you today so that makes me feel good because yeah. yeah I mean it's just awful when people come in you can see they're anxious and it's yes. just like you know it's fine like yeah. come in like yeah. enjoy yourself yeah. but I think yeah it comes from a place sometimes because you know how it feels yourself yeah. so yeah, yeah. definitely <laughs> And last question, which change maker would you like to hear from next in this podcast? Ooh, which change maker? There's so many amazing change makers out there. I think I'd love to hear Aja Barber because she is fierce mm. and she will give you very in honest answers. And I would love to hear her because, yeah, I think she's so passionate but so honest in in what she's saying and she will tell you the truth i know that down um i yeah. i will i will contact her for sure well 
Jade, thank you so much for your time and for like this very genuine and open conversation as well. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me um, here and Ludo as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Ludo was a very nice guest. No, thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you, Jade. Follow the Wonder Workers podcast so that every two weeks you can get notified when a new episode is out. And I must say, if you don't, that's okay. But that would be a big miss because we have more inspiring and powerful guests to come. So let's meet up in two weeks for a new episode of Wonder Walkers, a podcast that transports you into the world of our modern change catalysts and empowers you too to change the world. This podcast is created and hosted by me, Laura Warnod, founder of The Culture Cabinet. Thank you to Content is Queen for producing the podcast. But above all, thank you for listening. See you soon.